This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 95. Test your message, brand yourself, grow your business. Welcome back to the Before the Millions podcast. My name is Dore Olalia. I'm a former financial professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Every week, entrepreneurs and millionaires have strategic conversations on this show to help you design and build your lifestyle business through real estate. For the BTM tribe, this is kind of a special place. As such, new listeners tend to binge content. So you've been warned. Let's get started. Hey, what's up? What's going on, BTM Tribe? Welcome to another episode, another week in this beautiful year of 2019. And I'm super excited to have you. If you are a new listener of the Before the Millions podcast, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to our community. I hope that you enjoy this content. I hope that it's one of those scenarios to where you you listen to this episode and it's so powerful for you. And then you go back and you listen to the episode right before this. And then you're just like, wow. And then you listen to the one right before that. See, eventually you become a subscriber and this is one of your primary podcasts. That's what I kind of hope that happens over the next few weeks. So if this is your first or your second time tuning in, uh, welcome to the Before the Million show. For today's episode, we're going to get into your ideal message as a entrepreneur, as a business owner. We're going to talk about branding. We're going to talk about growing your business. And these are all relevant topics given kind of where I am right now in my real estate investing journey and my business journey. I own a lifestyle business that allows me to move about as I please. So like, for instance, last year, I spent about, mm, say, five months in Houston, Texas, uh, give or take. Right. And then maybe another four months in Dallas, Texas, which is about three and a half hours away from Houston. And then I spent about three months overseas in various different countries. I went to Africa went to Dubai, went to Singapore, Taiwan, and a few others, and then a whole slew of other US states. And then I think about 2019 and then 2020 and how I want to kind of shift from, you know, spending one fourth of my year overseas to like maybe one half of my year, like six months out of the year overseas and slowly transition, living more and more of a location independent life, more lifestyle design, more exploring, more adventure. That's kind of where I'm looking to get in the next few years. In order for me or anybody else to do something like that, we need to experience growth and success in what it is that we're doing. More specifically for me, my lifestyle business, right? I think about where we are here in the 21st century and some of the things that we're doing to build our businesses. And it doesn't matter what type of business that you're in. And today's guest, Mr. Ralph DeBugnera, like he's a New York real estate broker. I mean, he specializes in helping millennials buy homes, right? So, I think about his mindset and what he believes is a primary component for a successful business here in 2019. And for him personally, he's been working on his personal brand far before he became successful at what he does, because he knew that one day along the lines, that personal brand that he's been working on will be able to bring him in revenue, will be able to bring him in more business. So we talk a lot about getting clear on your message, building up your brand and using social media to bring in new business. So I've been thinking about like 2019 and my mindset to kind of go through this year, really, really super focused on the two products that I have, which is my Before the Millions Mastermind and the Before the Millions eight-week workshop. And as you guys know, enrollment for the Mastermind is currently open right now. And I haven't actually said this on a podcast episode, but I'm shutting down enrollment in exactly nine days. And I'm actually shutting down enrollment indefinitely. 
So if you're on the fence about the mastermind group, I definitely suggest that you go ahead and apply if you're listening to my voice before the end of February, because as of March 1st, 2019, enrollment will be closed, will be shut down indefinitely. If you're in a position to where you're looking to leave your W-2 9-to-5 job in the next one year through the efforts of your real estate related business as an investor, as a fixer and flipper, as a broker, as a property manager. So basically, if you're an entrepreneur with a real estate related business that is already generating revenue for you and you're looking to expand your business especially in the online space and expand your life at the same time, and you want to be around a group of individuals who are pursuing those same goals, I suggest you apply immediately. Because again, once the end of this month hits, enrollment will be closed indefinitely. And another thing about enrollment is that right now, the price of the mastermind is $500 a month, which is a steal for the value that you're going to get and the things that you're going to start implementing in your business that are going to provide you massive returns. I cannot promise that the price will be $500 when I reopen enrollment. So I can reopen enrollment in a month, in two months, or towards the end of the year. And the reason I'm closing down enrollment, guys, is because we're already, like my group, my mastermind group is already kind of becoming a family. And I don't want to keep having new members join whenever and however they want. So I'd rather just have a one-time process of bringing on new members to the group. And there's like a whole one-time orientation. And then there's no enrollment for like three, four, five, six months, half a year. I'm not sure yet, right? And then I do another enrollment process. That way we're not interrupting the natural flow of the weekly meetings, the natural flow of the group, which in case you are wondering, meets every single Monday at 7.30 p.m. CST. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash mastermind. And then what's good for me about shutting down enrollment from a mastermind is then then I can fit switch my marketing focus 100% to my eight-week workshop. And like I imagine that I'll do enrollment for my workshop for a certain portion of the year. And then maybe a few months later, I'll do an enrollment for my mastermind for like a week or two. I'll have it open and then that'll close down. And then towards the end of the year, I'll do another enrollment session for my workshop. And I think that'll kind of be the best way for me to operate my two products moving forward. But I'm actually getting ready to hop on my mastermind calls. So I'm actually going to get some feedback from my mastermind members on how I should kind of go about doing this, which is why I love masterminds, by the way. I have two mastermind meetings today, and I'm super excited about both because they both bring so much value to my life. It's crazy. You know, randomly, what else is bringing value to my life? As a entrepreneur, as a real estate investor, you over time, it's not something that maybe some of you guys can do it, but it's not something that you perfect right out of the gate. But over time, I've been able to better and better my on the ground real estate team. And it's <laughs> it's really been a struggle just because it's really hard to find good help, especially because I invest in cities outside of my local market. And there's actually uh, this episode that I've been dying to do about property management, but I'm kind of waiting for this situation or this case rather to kind of fall in the backdrop so I could talk about it a little bit. But if I was t- to kind of fast forward that story, I've had to go through tons of property management companies. And I finally found a property management company that I am starting to actually trust. And they're actually doing a good job. And it's really weird for me because it hasn't happened yet. And I'm just like, okay. So this part of my team is actually coming together. And actually this past weekend, I found a really, really good GC, a a good general contractor. But again, this is like after like years of like bad experiences. And it's some of these experiences would prompt a lot of people to just be like, yeah, this is not for me. But once you find some good help, it could really, really transform your business. So anyways, 
Again, on today's show, we're speaking to Mr. Ralph DeBugnera. Now, Ralph is a mortgage banker. And what's really cool about Ralph is his, his out-of-the-box way of thinking in terms of building his brand and growing his business. And Ralph kind of talks about the fact that he's not a millennial, right? But he knows how to cater to the millennial audience. He knows where millennials congregate and he knows how to get his message across. So we, we talk about testing your message, right? Figuring out your message for whether you're talking to a buyer or a potential seller or a potential investor or a potential client. It doesn't really matter. You have to hone in on your message and make sure that your message is a message that will be well received by the party that you want to receive it. So we talk about testing your message. We talk about branding yourself and having the right image, right? And all of this is in part going to be able to help you grow your business. Again, more and more, we're starting to see that it's becoming imperative to have some type of online or some type of social media presence to expand your brand. So if you haven't thought about social media or you have thought about it, but you haven't yet started using an online brand or presence to as a source for growing your business, then I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. Again, if this is your first time tuning in, the next segment of the show is called the tip of the week. These are simple hacks that make life easier, simpler, more inspirational, and a whole lot more efficient. Let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. If you are not driving right now, take your phone out, go to your inbox, swipe up and scroll and scroll and scroll till you get to the bottom of your phone or to the bottom of your inbox and pick five people. So go through the list starting from the bottom and pick five people to reach out to today, right now. So, I mean, hit them up and say, good morning. Say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, just checking in. How's everything been? You are on my mind. Five people. And you can actually start to do this every single day, but I just want you to focus on doing this just one time. Do it today. And if you do this for the next 30 days, <laughs> your results are going to be crazy first and foremost. But And in the minds of the people that you are reaching out to, first off, they're going to be taken back because you're scrolling to the bottom of your phone, people that you don't normally talk to. But when you do this and you reach out to people on a consistent basis and let them know that, hey, they're on your mind and you care about them and you just want to see how things were going. You know, sometimes I do like video messages, right? Like rather than like shoot a quick text to somebody, like I'll record a, a video like an, and I'm like, hey, like I was thinking about you, like I'll reference the last conversation that we had and I'll tell them, you know, how whatever impact that had on me, I tell them exactly like kind of what, what my thoughts are. And I'd always tell them, look, I'm, I don't want anything. I just want to let you know that I appreciate you. And just kind of consistently letting people in your circle, in your environment, know that you're here and that you care about them. Now, of course, some people are not going to respond, right? And most people's fear with doing something like this is like, man, that's going to take up a whole lot of time. Or like, I don't want to start up a conversation with somebody and just have to keep that conversation going or, or that's super awkward. That's out of my comfort zone. First off, these conversations, they're not going to last very long. I mean, the people that you're talking to are just like you. They're busy people that have everyday lives. Like the people who do respond, they're going to show mad love and respect, but they're not going to, they're not going to like keep a full-fledged conversation with you. So you don't have to worry about some of you guys who are protecting your time. You don't have to worry about like, man, I'm not trying to like, you know, have this drag on throughout the day. It's just a quick text, just a quick, hey, just checking on you. Hope all is well. Have a good day. You'll start to see some things transpire in your life, right? I mean, you know, last week I just got a, a deal brought to me by doing this exact thing because in January I reached out to a few people and wished them a happy new year. People that I wouldn't normally, you know, wish happy holidays or I wouldn't normally reach out to. But by implementing something like this, you're on top of mind to a lot of people. Now, it ended up not being a deal worthwhile, but I mean, just imagine if it was and kind of just think about me and this person's relationship moving forward, right? 
So just a quick networking hack, scroll down to the bottom of your phone, pick five people today right now and hit them with a good morning. And if you want to take it one step further, if you see some type of alignment between what you have going on and what they have going on, hey, you want to catch up really quick? Let's grab some coffee. And sometimes you'll get a message back saying, hey, I was just thinking about you. I was at church last night and this person mentioned that they were having this problem and you came to mind and you will be surprised at how often something like that would happen. And for some reason or another, they may not have ever reached out to you, but because you're present, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, let me make this happen. Or maybe you didn't come to mind, but because you're present, they had that exact same situation happen the night before and there was nobody to come to mind or somebody else came to mind, but because you're present, you're now in the forefront. Step your networking game up this year, guys. It'll prove fruitful. And this is obviously beyond any type of monetary measure. I mean, fruitful just in the sense of showing others that you're present and that you care and that if they ever needed anything, you have their back. So that's the tip of the week this week. Let's get into the show. And now your feature presentation. We are talking to the man himself, Mr. Ralph Bug Nara. Ralph, how's it going today? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Listen, the Nara's name is really, really hard. You did really good for the first time. You did great on it. I'm going to say it a hundred times. So that every single person that listens to this episode will never not know your name. I appreciate that. Okay, so Mr. D. Bug Nara. So let's take it back. Talk about the early inception of your entrepreneurial journey. So walk us through that time in your life. Sure. You know, in general, I grew up in a very blue collar family. Um, you know, I would say middle class. You know, I didn't grow up with nothing, but I didn't grow up with a lot. You know, but just very hardworking. And I think I hustled from the time I was 14 years old to the time I got into the workforce, which was about 21. I've been in mortgage finance for about 18 years at this point now. And I started in mortgage finance in a really, really good time. It was, um, it was the late 2002, early 2003. And it was, it was just raining mortgages at that point. So I walked through a business as a salesperson, not knowing very much. And you didn't need to know very much to sell mortgages at that point for good or bad. And uh, I got into the market at a really, really good point. I worked for a pretty large lender at that time. And I rose really fast in the company. It was a publicly traded company. I worked for Deutsche Bank. And by 24, I was a senior vice president. I was no longer selling loans. I was running a division. I was making more money every single year. Um, And it was really all a life lesson that I didn't realize until later on, but it was a great life lesson because in 2007, literally overnight, I was broke out of a job and the business was, you know, because of the financial crisis was in shambles. So, I mean, I personally was living, my company was on Wall Street. I was living on Wall Street in a penthouse apartment. I was living way over my head. So that was the first lesson I got out of that. I was living way, way over my head. You know, I was living in a, in a, in a big apartment with big bills. I had a condo in Miami. I was spending more money than, because I didn't know any better. I, you know, in my naive head, I was just going to keep making more money every single year, and it was it was never going to get any worse. And I, you know, just, I, I never forget this actually. And I was making a significant amount of money at the time. For the time, I was making a decent amount of money. And uh, I had just come back from Miami for the weekend. I was going to Miami left the weekend, and I got out of the car and I went to the ATM machine, and I had insufficient funds. And you know, I just come from my condo in Miami, and I was going up to my penthouse apartment in Wall Street, and I had no money in my account. So, and more my stupidity, I went upstairs and I opened up one of the hundred credit cards they sent me and I just wrote myself out a check and I just continued down that path until so, so it was fun. It was fun for a little while, but it, you know, when it crashed, it was, uh, it really taught me a lot about myself. And I think that time really made me into the person I am today for a million different reasons, but it taught me a lot. You know, I had to, you know, I had to move into a studio with my, my now wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, in a rent-stabilized studio in, in not such a great neighborhood. And I had to sell my cars and I had to sell a lot of my properties and drain my 401k. And I went back to work 
as a salesperson again in mortgages for, I would say, 13, 14 hour days to make a third of the money I was making before. But, um, you know, it was good because what it taught me is a couple of things. You know, it humbled me a lot and it taught me uh, about saving money. And more than anything, it just kind of taught me that you can always rebuild it. You know, you just, if you're willing to work, it's always rebuildable. You know, and the key is the second time just to rebuild it better. You know, rebuild it to a stronger. It took me a while to do it, but, you know, it taught me a lot about myself just kind of going through a really crazy time in the world and in history. But I learned more than anything. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I could say today it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, that's crazy to kind of just look back and be able to reflect on that and just be able to say, like, stand here today and be like, man, that was that crash, that low moment, those insufficient funds. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Maybe, yeah. Ralph, at that time, what did you understand about what was going on? I know that your understanding is far more vast now about what was going on and what you could do different if that yeah. happened again. But at that time, what did you understand about what was going on? You know, I, I we kind of like, you know, as soon as it happened, it was, you know, clear as day. It's like, oh, they had a selling this stuff that really didn't make a lot of sense. Like it was very, very risky stuff that they just kept expanding on because, you know, essentially what was happening, what people don't realize about it is that Wall Street just couldn't get, they, they had such an appetite for mortgages and they couldn't get enough of it. So what was happening is they just kept expanding the guidelines to make it easier and easier to qualify because they wanted us to do small loans. So, you know, they would come to us and say, hey, if we drop the credit scores to 580 and we raise the amount, uh, lower the amount you have put down to 0%, can you sell more loans? Yeah, if you did that, we can sell more loans. Okay, here you go. Go sell more loans. But so at that point, you're, like, you're not even thinking about it because you're just like, oh, this is, this is great. But I will, there's a couple of things that happened to me that I think are funny now, but uh, at the time I didn't. You know, for the last probably two years in the business, I was really sitting around not doing very much and making a good amount of money. And I think about that now, it, it trained my mind to now. It's, if you're ever sitting around at every job and making a lot of money and not doing very much, something's wrong. There's a piano <laughs> over your head somewhere you don't know about, but nobody's going to pay you to do nothing. If they're paying you yeah. to do money, there's just there's either too much money going around and it's, it's going to come to an end or, or something's wrong. So, you know, it just, I now I, I look at the business completely differently, obviously, and I'm happy. It's become a much better, more professional business at this point where you have to be licensed. And, you know, it got a lot of the bad stuff out of it, but you know, I think the biggest lesson I learned now is that now I look for signs of that kind of stuff. And more than anything is I'm the happiest when I'm living low to the ground and I'm saving my money or investing it in real estate or, you know, different real estate strategies. But I'm the happiest when I'm that way because it's stability. You know, I just, I want to be, I don't need to live high. I'd rather live low to the ground and not have to worry about, I make the best financial decisions when I'm living low to the ground because I have, I have the means to make the financial decisions. No, that makes sense. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. There's so much to unpack in that, man. So, yeah. so let me, let's kind of progress from the, the crash to now you're picking up the pieces. Sure. What's going on? What are you starting to do? And you said you, you went back to sales. Yeah. How are you starting to build your resume up again from sales? Walk us through that next transitional point for you. So at that point, I went back to being a loan officer. I got myself licensed at that point. In the next couple of years, I had to be licensed. So I got myself licensed where I had to be. And I just started building my personal business again. And through that, by being a stable figure in the business, because I went back to I went back and got in the weeds and built my business that way again, and I built up enough where, and I was stable enough where people who had gotten out of the business, because a lot of people left the business at that point, wanted to get back in, and then when they wanted to get back in, I was somebody who had consistently never I never left, I never ran, so I was a stable force. So then people started to follow me a little bit again, and I was able to start growing my business again where I was running a group. So from there, I started running, I started to build a business, and I started running a group probably of. 50 and 60 loan officers again. And then I partnered up with a company that I'm with today still for about eight years now where I'm a partner in the company and I'm running probably 100 salespeople in, the mortgage, in, that mortgage, in residential mortgage finance. That's one, probably my main business. And you know, it's, been, it's a great business. It's a great business now because it's stable. 
It's not yeah. big waves. You know, you're not going to make a million dollars per loan, but you can make a living by being in a stable, consistent business. And I think more than anything, what I learned from all of this and, and what this business has taught me now is that just be stable and consistent and you can grow every single year. You're not going to grow 30, 40%, but you'll grow 10%. If you grow 10% every single year, you're doing pretty good. Let's talk about interest rates in, in 2019. Mm -hmm. sure. um, I think that's a big subject. That's something at the top of a lot of people's minds, especially home buyers. And you know, yeah. you're looking at the landscape. What is your opinion on interest rates in 2019? Where do you see things going? And what should homeowners and investors prepare for? You know, so we actually have seen a little bit of a dip over the last 30 days, but I don't think that's going to be what we're going to see. We're going to see them continue to rise slowly. But I think everybody's got to take it into perspective. You know, interest rates now are still at historic lows, average-wise, compared to any other time period except for the last five years. So I think that it's still cheap enough money where real estate is a really, really good investment. Or if you're looking to buy, I feel like it's a good investment. I think that you'll see interest rates probably get to the to the mid fives. You know, to the low to mid fives, and that'll become the average instead of the low to mid fours. I think by the end of the year, that's probably what you're going to see. So it gives you a little less buying power, but with that, I think what you'll see with real estate prices is they'll stay. We're not going to have, in my opinion, and I, you know, I hope I'm right. Um, I don't think you're going to have a, a huge correction to the market. I think maybe you'll see 10% of prices. I don't think you're going to see 30% swings. You know, at the very worst of the housing crisis, the average in the country was a 30%, 30% down. The market was 30% down. I don't think you're going to see that. I think me, you know, if you see eight to 10%, it'll be a lot. So prices are going to come down a little bit. Interest rates are going to go up which essentially is going to mean that your buying power is going to stay very close to the same. But, you know, the money is still very cheap, but it's going to be a little bit more expensive than it was over the last five years. Definitely, definitely. I definitely agree. And one thing that kind of popped into my head a little bit earlier that I forgot to mention was the, and, you know, some, some listeners are out there, they're like, you know, some of these things are going away over my head. I don't know what mortgage-backed securities are. I mean, one of my favorite sure. movies, and I'm sure you've watched it, is The Big Short. That movie, sure. that movie, that movie, do you like it's it? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and there was, there's a new documentary. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's on HBO. It was produced by Vice. It's called Panic. It's amazing. It's, it's called Panic, and it's all about the financial crisis. I mean, and everybody's in it. President Obama, President Bush, uh, Greenspan, like everybody that was involved. And they kind of show you what beyond, behind the scenes. And when you watch it, it's almost like, this is, I can't believe this is going on. I mean, we were closer to a depression than we even knew at the wow. time. But it just, I would watch just the inner workings of what went on. It's pretty crazy. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Listeners, yeah. definitely uh, add that to your list as well. So Ralph, yeah. I feel as though your, your target market, your target audience are millennials. So millennials are the biggest buying audience right now in general in real estate, which is part of, part of the reason it's become a focus. But I think what, I, what I've learned about millennials is a couple of things. I think millennials are ahead of the curve because they've learned. When I grew up, I'm a little bit older than that. So when I got into the business, my mentality was like, oh, you go to work for one company and you work for that company for 40 years and that's it. And I think that's part of the reason I got myself in trouble because I stayed with the same company. I wasn't, I didn't have, a, when I lost my job and I lost my money, I didn't have a network of people because I always worked in the same place. So I didn't network. So I think what millennials have gotten early in the careers, I want to work for myself. I want to do something that I can work for myself. So whereas some people of my age and older look at that as a bad thing, oh, they don't understand. No, they do understand. You know, they, they want to build something that's theirs, even if they're working for somebody else. So I think, and I think real estate comes along with that. Like they want to really, they want to build a real estate portfolio, however they're going to do it. They really are interested in not just buying a house for themselves, but building wealth through real estate. So that's why it's become a real big part of my focus because I, I feel like they get it. They just get it. Yeah, I love that. Now let's, let's talk about the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made in yourself. This can be an investment of money, of time, or of energy. What I learned about myself is I had to break out of my comfort zone to, to get the things I needed to be. So I think any investments I've ever made in myself, I'm not afraid to spend money on myself. And that's between 
you know, getting myself to leadership seminars. I've been to Tony Robbins twice. And, and again, those seminars are great if you, if you put it into play, but just spending money on that. And then even working for a company, what I learned about is like, I work for a company. I have to wait on them to, to like promote me. No, you don't. It's important that you brand yourself. You spend money on branding yourself. So I think more than ever, I went out about five years ago and I hired a PR company. Um, I was like, you know, I want to start branding myself. I want to start getting myself out there. And then I started spending money on social media and I started doing that. And, you know, people would come to me, they're like, well, what's your strategy with this? Like, what's your return on investment right now? Like, what are you getting back dollar for dollar for what you're doing? I'm like, it's not something you're going to see right away. It's, it's, a, lo- it's a long-term plan. I'm, I'm a long-term person. So I think, you know, by building my brand now, what I'm doing is I'm making people familiar with my voice and then I become a trusted voice within my industry and it's meant a lot more business. It's easy for me to recruit people. It's easy for me to sell things. It's easy for me to, to invest and make want people, people want me involved. So I think by investing in myself with that, I can't see it exactly dollar for dollar, but it's bringing me dollars. And I ha- and sometimes I had that, you have to have a little blind faith in that, but build your brand, however you're going to do it, however you feel works, but create a strategy to build your brand. I think that's the best thing I've done for myself. Man, that is powerful, especially because a lot of listeners know that that's a focus that I've taken on uh, in the past, maybe month or two. Um, so I'm just now getting ready to kind of take on that whole building my brand and focus. And sure. I think that you're doing a great job at that. Like you said, it's bringing you so much opportunity. I mean, you're on this yeah, podcast because of your brand. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. exactly right. This is a, a good example yeah. of that. Just take heed. I mean, it's so valuable. And that's what I think that everything's moving towards, especially as millennials become more and more aware of who they are and what they want to do. It's just becoming more and more prevalent. So I think that brand building is key is an essential using the internet, using a platform like Instagram, which is something that uh, where I met you from. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I think about what I've learned through a lot of trial and error and, you know, everything I've done that I'm successful at, I failed a lot at first. And, you know, I fail, 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 fail. And then, you know, you figure it out, you figure it out. I think what I've, and Instagram's been a great it's been a great motor for me to get my brand out there. I think with Instagram, for the most part, you have to understand that people want to be entertained, that they're on your page to be entertained. So I think, or to, to gain knowledge, but more, you know, so I think that what I've learned is like, I have about 30 seconds to get some, I have about 15 seconds to get somebody's mm. attention really. And if you, if you really break it down, you have about six seconds to get somebody's attention to keep them there. You have 15 seconds, they stay 30 seconds. You really have to have the bulk of your message out. And I know that's tough, but video content is very, very powerful. And if, you, and if you can either entertain somebody or provide them some kind of knowledge that they didn't have before in 30 seconds, you can really, you know, I get a lot of good feedback because of that. And, and you know, and here's the thing more than ever. What I try to be is tra- completely transparent on there. Like I'm going to tell you my failures and my successes. I want to, you know, I, I, what I want to be is somebody who helps you avoid potholes because I, I ran into them. So I think if you can help people get around their own issues, that'll help you build your brand also, because then you become somebody that people really want to listen to. I love that. I love that. And it's crazy, Ralph. When you think about a brand, and most people would don't even think about building a brand when it comes to their business, especially brick and mortar businesses. Like it's not even something that that's that used to be relevant five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, the big companies were doing it like yeah. Apple and all those companies, but the little guy never even thought about doing something like that. Let's talk about your lifestyle now. And I know that you are a very busy person and most of us entrepreneurs are very busy. How in the world do all of these entrepreneurs who are busy, who are successful, like yourself, able to find a way to get on social media because, again, you're looking at it as a business marketing tool. How you're able to do this and what time you're setting aside and how you're actually uh, going about like, hey, I, I want to post this once a week or whatever you're doing and kind of walk us through that process. Yeah. I mean, so for my purposes and, you know, between the hours of, let's say, nine and six, I'm very, very busy with my businesses. 
So I have a small window in the, in the morning and, and I have two little kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So I have that too. So I have family. So for my purposes, I get up in the morning, I'll do my exercise, I'll do my morning routine, and then I'll spend 45 minutes to an hour on my social media. And, and that can be either creating posts or looking for new people to follow or looking for people to interact with or, and or writing scripts out for either videos or something like that an hour in the morning. I'll go through my day and during the week, I'll set time aside at least one day a week to film. I film videos every single week consistently. I try to just be consistent every single week. And then I spend an hour at the end of the day at night when, and, and I, and to be honest with you, those are my creative times. Other people's creative times may be different. I'm very, I think very clearly in the morning. And at the end of the day, when I'm winding down, I'll go and do some more creative stuff to well, right. And that those are my two times where I do it. But the most important thing is for at least five days a week, I'm consistent with every single day. I think what you see on a lot of social media platforms, some people have, it's, I think it's either one or two things, and, I, and this is where I find problems. It's either overwhelming because somebody's posting too much and you're missing a lot of the good stuff because stuff, too much stuff is being posted and or they're not posting enough. So I think, it, 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 you know, whatever my schedule is going to be, and if I, if I decide I'm gonna, my strategy, I'm going to only post three days a week. And I know most people say you should post every single day, but if I'm going to post three or four days a week, which is really what I do, I'm just going to be consistent three or four days a week because that's what fits my schedule and that's what I can handle. But I'm going to be consistent every single week with posting that, that much. So I think if I could take anything from what I've done that's helped me be successful, that really is it. That's awesome. That's awesome. One last question in this area. Let's say going back to that young college student, they're ready to get their first deal done. And they are not aware that there are certain things that they should be doing at the beginning of building their business. And there are certain things that they should wait on doing. Building a brand may be something that you may want to wait on doing. I want to know your opinion on that as to, you know, not even just building a brand, just things like getting business cards, uh, things like business cards and websites are the biggest ones. Like, hey, should I go ahead and get my business card? Should I go ahead and build my website? Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's funny because I had a lot, I had success in a lot of things and I'm still trying to have success in a lot of things, but more first. And then I started kind of working backwards to then I started building my brand after that. So I feel it's twofold. I, I feel like you should always get out there and test your message because you could be working on something that nobody's going to like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's important to kind of at least be able to test your message a little bit. But I also feel like there's a lot to be said for somebody who has some substance behind them and there's some substance behind their message because they experience some things. So no, I think it's a little bit of both, if I could say that. Like, I think yeah, that you need to test your message because, because you know, who the hell knows? I, I may work on a webinar or a present, whatever it is, and nobody likes it. And you know, I didn't know that because I, I made 15 videos for it and I wrote 50 scripts for it and nobody's going to buy it. So I think you should test it a little bit. But at the same time, try to make sure that whatever you're putting out there is substance. You know, for a millennial, even for me, you know, and I should, a college student should really think about that. They should look at somebody like me and, and I'm a little bit older and look at me and say, hey. That's my consumer because I have money to spend and I don't know how to utilize social media. Most people my age don't know how to use social media and they're not going to learn either. So I'm really a consumer, but somebody like me doesn't want to talk to somebody who doesn't have any substance behind them and doesn't really have any trial and error. Like I want to know that if I'm paying for something and I'm willing to pay for something, but if I'm going to pay for something that you have some experience in what you're, you're pitching me. Man, I didn't know you were coming with that, Ralph. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. All right. So rounding out this section, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel unfocused, or maybe you've just lost focus temporarily, what do you do to get yourself back in alignment? And if, if it helps, what questions do you ask yourself? It's a good question. So for my purposes, and it's always been this way because I'm a high energy person, whether you can hear that in my voice or not, like I have a hard time standing, sitting still. So, you know, I use routines every single day to help me in general. So I follow, and the day's going to throw a million curveballs at you, but there are certain things that I do every single day 
that I feel like when stressful times come that I'm able to handle it a little bit more because I can go back to my routine. So, you know, every single day, no matter what, I'll get up and I'll do some kind of exercise in the morning. I'll try to meditate and I'll, I'll do something to start my morning. To, 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 and I do that every single morning, no matter what, because the truth of the matter is, is that if you get up an hour early, no matter what it is, you're up an hour earlier than everybody else knows you're up and you can do something for yourself and you should always do something for yourself every single day. To keep yourself in a routine. You know, when stuff gets really stressful, there's a lot coming at me. More than anything, what I've learned, and it's taken a lot of faults and errors to learn this, is don't react immediately. You know, take a breath, step back, write down pros, cons, or whatever it is of, of what's going on. And that's what I try to do is I try to take a step back and not react. Because I feel like every single time that I'm, I impulsively react to something that's stressful, a lot of times I make the wrong decision. You know, and, and I like to follow my instincts, but at the same time, you know, when you're emotional because you're either your, body's on, your body and your mind is under stress, a lot of times you're going to make a decision you wouldn't normally would make. So that's why I said to you before, I make much better financial decisions now than I did before because I'm not, my expenses as a person are less. I live lower to the ground. I, I buy what I need, not what, not, I don't, I'm not so much concerned about the luxury items. I want to buy what I need. So mm -hmm. it enables me to make more sound decisions financially because I'm not making those decisions under stress. So mm -hmm. I think more than anything is, is to, to try to back yourself up, slow yourself down. If you look at sports, the best athletes in the whole entire world, the reason they're so good at what they do, and I use a lot of sports analogies, is they slow everything down so much. If you look at Floyd Mayweather in the ring, he's so good because he slows it down. He's not nervous in there. If you look at LeBron James, he slows it down. Like these guys, so that's, you got to slow down the situation so you can make the right decision. And that's how I, that's what I feel works for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And listeners, just in case you, you haven't been able to tell yet from Ralph's accent, he's definitely from the East Coast. Yeah, um, New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He lives in New York. And, and right before the call, you mentioned that you were in your Long Island office. So I just kind of want to yeah. get a get a little taste and feel for the listeners to kind of know a little bit more about your lifestyle and what you're currently doing, because that's what we predicate sure. on is the lifestyle. And you're in, you're in Long, Long Island, you're in the Long Island office. What's kind of going on with that? What are you, what are you currently doing? And what does your, your typical day consist of? You walked us through quite a bit of it from your, yeah. your morning routine to some of the things that you do on social media, but give it, sure. fill out the rest for us. So my mortgage company is, we're in about 18 states, but my majority of my business is up and down the northeast and seaboard. I have nine offices between New York and New Jersey, and I spend a lot of time on the road in general, um, just kind of overseeing and going between offices to make sure kind of whatever's going on. And I'm a high energy person again, so I like to kind of be on the move and I like to be all over the place. So, you know, that's a, that's a big portion of what I'm doing. I do a lot of real estate investing, so I'm kind of out doing that one way or the other during my day. You know, the, be the best, the beauty about this is I'm not used to this. You used to have to do everything from an office. Now you don't really need an office to do anything, so it's, yeah. it's great. You know, I have a real estate news website by the name of Home Qualified. That's also, it's a place where you can learn how to invest in real estate and actually get loans to invest in real estate. So I spend a little bit of time in that office and that's in New Jersey, just get going through what the new stories are for that week, what we're doing as far as new products for investors. So that's a little part. And then I own a couple of ancillary businesses that are just kind of entrepreneur things that are uh, passion projects kind of, but they, they, you know, they're doing okay. I own a couple of barbershops and I own oh, nice. uh, a piece of some, you know, so just, I have little stuff like that that kind of takes up most of the day, but the bulk of the day has been running around to, to, to the mortgage offices and or working on the real estate investments. That is awesome. That is the dream for a lot of people. So I'm glad that you're able to highlight on that. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? 
So I have a lot of favorite books, so this is tough. I'm reading something now that I really, really like, and I think it's great for millennials to read. It's uh, Tony Robbins' latest book. It's called Unbreakable. Um, and it's really about investment strategies, not real estate investment strategies, but investment strategies. And I really, really like it. It gives you some really good hacks in there on long-term strategies to build wealth. Um, it was really an eye-opener for me. So if I could recommend something, that's a great book. That's awesome. That's awesome. I noticed that he writes lots of financial books, but I mean, he's not yeah. really a financial. I mean, I guess no. he's a financial guru, but I don't he's know wealthy. why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool, or it could be Instagram. <laughs> I like Instagram. I, yeah. I think Instagram is a great app. I think what I get most use out of is probably LinkedIn. I get a lot of use out of LinkedIn. I think that's a great app, but I, you know, Instagram is right there. I think Instagram is, is really a great, great tool. And I think if you use it that way, you could really, really get a lot out of it. Speaking of when it comes to LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and even bigger pockets, where do you think that somebody should start out looking for just general leads in the real estate space, whether they're looking for uh, buyers, they're looking for sellers, they're looking for investors. I mean, where do you see that the most people kind of congregate that are actually serious and want to take action? You know, I think if you're looking for new people, I think LinkedIn is a great place to find professional things, professional people looking to invest. But the problem with LinkedIn, if you're on there, you know this, is that you're spammed by a million different people trying to sell you something. That's a little bit of an issue on there. I think that if you spend a little bit money advertising on Instagram, where you run ads that are very specific to what you're looking, that you will get, I will get good engagement from that. So I like, I really like Instagram as a tool. I don't use Facebook so much. I know people have success advertising on Facebook, but you know, for me, Instagram is, is pretty inexpensive to advertise on. It really is inexpensive to run ads. And I get a lot of engagement back from it. And you really can, you know, it makes you into a marketing genius without having to know that much about marketing because you really can specify what you're looking, who you're looking to target. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, guys, I'm pulling out all the nuggets for you guys. You guys better thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? That's a good question. I like the freedom to grow. I really have an entrepreneur spirit I always have. And I like the idea of growing new, I love creating and growing new businesses. I really, that's my favorite thing I to do. So. <laughs> yeah, so um, what I've learned and what, you know, a little bit the hard way is I've made the mistake of investing in a lot of businesses sometimes that aren't my business. And I think that's a little bit tricky and you have to be careful with that because you have to make sure the person you're investing with really, really knows the pitfalls of that business. And sometimes I've made, I've made decisions the wrong way that way. And, you know, you learn your lesson. But I think that I love building businesses. And I think that's my really my favorite part of my daily activities at this point. That is awesome. That is awesome. I am in agreement with that. So I love that. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I think you have to, more than anything, sometimes lose money to make money. I think that you have to focus on a long-term goal and not grab for the low-hanging fruit sometimes and the short-term money. You know, I've been in situations before where I was offered money to go do something that I didn't feel right for the long term. And it would have been beneficial for me, but maybe not for the team around me. So I think more than anything, if you're working in a team atmosphere, you have to make sure that your whatever you're doing aligns with everybody else, everybody else's interest around you. Because, you know, I would be nothing without the people I work with, to be totally honest with you. You know, I, you know I'm good at certain things, but I know my limitations too. So I really need, I need everybody around me. So I think, you know, making sacrifices financially for, in the short term to make more money in the long term. I think if I could say anything, that's really been my biggest sacrifice. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I think if I can name one person, it'll probably be my father. He was a teacher and then a principal and he's still teaching to this day. He's in his, he's in his about to be 70 and he's still teaching, but um, he was just a really hard worker. And you know, when I was young, I didn't appreciate it because he was never around and he was never around because he was always working. You know, he had three jobs and he was always working. And you know, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood around, I would say 
Italian neighborhoods with a lot of hustlers and that were, were glamorous. And you know, when you're growing up, that that's the shiny things you look at. And you're kind of like, oh, look at this guy, it's great. But when I got to be a man, I realized that lifestyle is not great. You know, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of other things that come along with that people don't see. And I think that what I learned from my father is that he was just. He made a lot by just consistently working every single day. He got up and went to work every single day. And later on in life, I really learned to appreciate that. And I, I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the room ever. I think that I work hard or as hard as anybody else does. And I, I think I've really made a lot of money in a career just by being a very, very hard worker. And more than anything, I think you're, some people are hard workers and they're not, they're not the smartest guy in the room, but some people are smart and they're not very hard workers. Um, and I think you can make some money doing either of those things. But I think if you combine both of those things, you could be a superstar and you can make as much money as you want. So uh, a lot for me has come from hard work and I learned a lot of that from my father. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Last but not least, Ralph, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? I think that you have to make a plan, you have to stick to it, and you have to have belief in yourself and your convictions that whatever you're committing to, you know what it is. You know, so many people have failed early in life. And, and, you know, sometimes even I'll look around and, you know, I think I, I just, I hope this resonates with you. I, I looked at Donald Glover recently and it was his birthday and uh, completely somebody outside of my industry. And I think he was 35 or 36. He's accomplished so much in my mind at 35 or 36. And I look back and I'm like, you know, I, you're almost envious of that. It's like, how much, how did this person get to a place? You know, he's so talented and, and yeah. but you know, he had a million failures. I mean, if you look at Jeff Bezos and all these stories, Oprah, they all fail. Everybody failed. So I think that you have to have enough belief in yourself to keep moving forward. And I think more than anything, what I've done in my worst moments, whatever it was, whether it was a breakup with a girl or a death in the family or the worst day in my life in the market when everything went away, I think the next day, no matter what, I got up and I went to work. And every single day, I consistently did the same thing. And it's hard to see the light in that sometimes. But I think if you get up and, and can always, whatever you're doing, as long as you get to move forward every single day, whatever that is, and have belief in yourself, you're going to get there. I promise you, you will get there. But you got to have belief in yourself because it's going to be, everybody has dark days and everybody has, everybody gets knocked down. But you just have to keep, every make sure you get up every single day and move forward. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, this has been amazing. I've gotten so much from, from, from your story. I've gotten so much from the tidbits you've been able to offer when it comes to millennials and investing in real estate, when it comes to social media, Instagram and LinkedIn. I mean, this has been phenomenal, Ralph. We're going to have to hurry up and get this in the lab and get this out to the listeners. If, if anybody wants to learn a little, little bit more about you, wants to reach out to you, connect with you, learn about some of the services that you're offering, where can they find some of this information? My Instagram is a great place to get me. It's at debug. It's D-I-B-U-G. And uh, my website, if you want to check it out, if you're interested in real estate investing or everything that has to do with real estate is, is homequalified.com. Ralph, this has been amazing. It's simply phenomenal. I love that you're giving back to millennials and you're helping people on their way. So keep doing what you're doing and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me.